0: Broadcasting live from the
1: Business Radio X studios in Woodstock, Georgia, it's time for
2: Cherokee Business Radio. Now, here's your host. Welcome to this very special edition of Cherokee Business Radio. Stone Payton here producing for you this afternoon. Please join me in welcoming our host for today with Beckshot, the man himself, Mr. Randy Beck, good afternoon, sir. Hi, Stone. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks for letting me sit in. This is going to be a marvelous series. It's really our inaugural series of Design Radio. It's going to be fantastic. Take it away. Do your thing, man.
3: Well, as uh, you know, but maybe nobody else knows, Design Radio is all about uh, the design build space. It's about real estate, commercial, and residential in every aspect. And so what I've done today is I've gotten a few Beckshot clients and other people that I know to come in uh, to talk to us about some aspects of what's going on in Atlanta and why realtors can have five deals going with the same person and why the house prices are doing what they're doing and all that sort of thing.
2: Fantastic. All right, lay it on us, man. Who'd so, you bring with
3: you? So uh, we got two people here from Stacy Wyatt EXP Real Estate and EXP is got some real advantages as a as a real estate operation. And Stacy Wyatt, the face of EXP in Atlanta, is here. And Robert Mason. Uh, Robert is a market leader in Roswell and that that area. Does a lot of work in North Georgia Mountains, investment properties and that sort of thing. He recently came over to EXP from a top producer position at Keller Williams. And I have Carolyn Laburn here. She's a licensed architect in Atlanta who works the other side of the fence, Um, she does a lot of uh, additions and renovations and new home design for custom builds. Um, The whole architecture uh, scenario, she's going to talk to us some about design aspects and and what she's seeing and how this all gets put together.
2: All right, fun stuff. So
3: I think the way to start um, is uh, let each one of you guys just kind of take a second and tell us, you know, who you are and, and what's so in business for you. You know, why should people work with you and in whatever you'd like to say, yeah. cool. uh, Carolyn, you want to go first?
0: Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I'm Caroline Laburn of Caroline Laburn Design, and um, I do focus on uh, homes and home remodels with a focus on um, having it the home be like really all about your personality, about you, and supporting your lifestyle. Uh, so I guess you'd want to work with me if you want that. <laughs> you don't want the same old, same old.
3: Robert?
4: Thanks for having me here, Randy. Uh, I've been selling real estate since 1990, came out of the University of Georgia, did some commercial real estate at first. All the girls on the residential side were having all the fun, so I said, you know what, I need to go over there. And uh, made that switch, and wow, it's been a heck of a ride. Um, I joined Stacy about a month ago, but he and I had been running around at Keller Williams' Uh, aggravating everybody over there for a couple of years. And I was always keeping track of what Stacy was doing. And I was bird dogging some deals for Stacy, and he was making fun of me online and stuff like that. But uh, so now, you know, I tell my clients, you, you know, we're not all the same and you must choose wisely and you better have people with experience because in this market, as fast as the water is moving, as fast as the incomes are going up and the average price homes are going up, Now we've got interest rates that are soaring, and um, we've got some big waves in front of us. So you need somebody that's going to – you need a good captain of the boat. Not you, Randy, but (laughs) Stacy White and I. I was uh, a
3: captain. I know. know. That's why I brought it up.
4: (laughs) So, um, yeah. So choose wisely, folks, and I'm here to help, and I'm glad you brought me on today.
1: Awesome.
3: Okay, and Stacy?
1: Yeah, so uh, interesting backgrounds of everybody here. Actually, I've got an architectural engineering degree. Um so came out and went into commercial construction until uh let's say two thousand eight when the market decided to take tank and the developer I was working for went belly up. Uh well let's say they just closed their doors, handed the keys back to the banks and a lot of their deals. And so I got my real estate license in two thousand and nine. Um so residential real estate state space uh, started a sales team. Uh, because of my background, I'm a licensed G C and I have that architectural engineering. We started buying, renovating, and flipping a lot of properties, which is a big passion of mine. And now I'm in the space of um, stateswide real estate. We also have our own construction company, investment company, and our sales company. And have a big passion on helping other agents grow their businesses. And like Robert said, he and I've been in the you know real estate sales space. So um, the EXP brokerage model, which you know Robert and I both have our deals brokered through, um, has allowed us to team up and. Um, you know, it, like you said, it's a tough market. It's a really tough. Market. It's almost, I think it's a tougher market than it was in nine, 10 and 11 for people. And yeah. this is the top of opportunity that uh, agents are stronger together as we navigate these, these uh, waters. Um, and it's kind of an iron sharpens iron mentality where Robert has his own business. I have my own yep. and together we can um, help uh, people buy, sell, invest in real estate.
3: So I've been in your office and it's unique. Um, I hear a lot that, EXP doesn't really have offices or doesn't need offices. And so when I came in yours, it strikes me, you know, you've got your back office where you work and your administration works, but then you have a meeting room, sort of a gathering area. And that's really kind of all I saw. It seems like a good meeting place. Tell us more about that.
1: Yeah, so... The XP Realty model is very different than all the other real estate models out there, right? It's an old traditional model that uh, is mostly a franchise model, which let's just hearken it to the blockbuster, right? It's brick and mortar. And as the, the brokers um, don't have access to all the information, well, they have access to all the information, but so do we as agents, right? So the value proposition for the broker has been reduced. And for that, um, the agents who are out there generating the business and bringing in the income um, are looking for uh, more opportunity in the market, in my opinion, ownership and uh, what have you. So, as the market has changed or technology has changed, it allowed a new model which EXP brought out, which is a virtual model. And people think is that wow, like do you guys actually have brokers and meet since you don't have places to go? So it's a complete mind shift. And I say yes. Just think about this: all of the brokerage operations works in the virtual world. They work in a cloud. Actually, has a. EXP had a metaverse before Facebook had metaverse, right? Which was, um, it's an avatar based software system that, you know, you go on and dress up a fancy little character that looks just like you, you know, mine's got this same shoes and, and a jacket and jeans on, um, that you can walk around and talk to anybody real time. If there's a wireless connection anywhere in the world, I can walk in and talk to my broker tech support payment processing like you did in a brick and mortar, So it allows an agent to work from anywhere in the world, provided they have a wireless connection and agents like myself may choose still to have an office, right? Because as we still like that little bit of collaboration, I mean, I can't imagine somebody in the architecture space or design space would be able to work with the client without seeing anything. Now you could do it technology wise, but there is, I think just as humans in general, we do like that still getting in front and having that conversation. So we had built a space to where we call it like our collaboration hub, where we can come in. And for salespeople, if we're in the office all day, we're probably not making any money, right? Yeah. So we treat it more as a Gotta be out there, a, a collaboration hub to where we all can get together, mastermind on what's working, what's not working in this market, and then get out and do what we always did. And the beauty of it is, is most people choose. When I chose this business, um, I wanted the flexibility to be to work wherever I wanted to, right? it does seem every time I set a vacation and I go there, that's when oh. my deals go under contract.
4: Yeah. Contracts uh, come in when you're going out of town. Yeah.
1: But the beauty of it is now my brick and mortar is still back in Atlanta. But when I'm down in Florida on 30A, I can pull my wireless connection up, walk into my broker's office. I could do that anywhere. So it, the model is hard to understand until you actually like get in it and and see it. Because I harken to eXp Realty to the Netflix of real estate. So that's a little bit of the difference.
3: So it sounds like, if, I, if I'm understanding this right, when Robert runs off to play tactical games or he's up on the Great Lakes sailing on a boat or whatever. You got it. All he has to do is find a Wi-Fi connection to take care of whatever his clients got going on. And it's, otherwise, it's exactly this, there's no difference between him being in the office, being in Atlanta, or, or anywhere else.
4: No, that's the way it is. And my avatar looks like Tattoo from Fantasy <laughs> Island. It's a really small little guy, you know indication with big guns though. Yeah. He's got, he's (laughs) got big guns, but, um, yeah, you, anywhere I go, as long as I can get online, you know, I can get help. I can, um, write contracts. You don't have to be in an office. It gives you a lot of flexibility, which more agents want flexibility. And the market has changed since COVID and people don't have to go to work. So it's a great, uh, it's a great company and it's going to work.
1: And if I had one thing to that is, um, I actually feel, and this is going to be really weird, uh-uh. No, not that weird. I feel more connected in a virtual world than I ever did standing in an office next to other people.
3: Well, people say that about Facebook and stuff, too. Yeah. They, they feel like they make real friends there when they're not even making them in your day to day life. Yeah. I mean, you because get there's, there's some level of connection that this is enabling that people have. 100 percent. It's either new or they've been missing. Yeah.
1: And you get to in for a lot of instances, you get to choose who you know, like. Robert and I chose to hang out together like smart guys blowing up his business. And he and I can, um, you know, share what's working in this market what's changing and keep us both ahead. Cause it's a little bit of an abundance play, right? Cause sitting here, people could say, Oh, you guys are competitors. Well, yeah. And, I don't feel that way. Yeah. Robert sells a lot of homes in Roswell. I sell a lot of homes in Roswell. We've never ever, I don't think that we've, we well, we've done one potential transaction together. I've sent him homes. Yeah. You know, so it was a situation where we can make each other stronger, help each other's businesses mm-hmm. grow. And it's abundance mentality. Most people come at it with a little bit of a scarcity mentality.
3: Is it fair to say then that the, Benefit to your client is that there's no gap in the service you provide at all? None. There's none.
1: None. And I do, and I honestly believe that it's an elevated service because we're sharing information at a really high level. I go spend, I mean, I would guess on average, I spend at least $50,000 a year on education, masterminds and stuff that I go to. When I bring that back, I'm sharing it with like, I consider Robert a partner. We're not partners in the legal sense, right? We're partners and he has joined EXP. I'm financially invested through their brilliant model uh, of sharing in revenue and agent ownership. I want to see him succeed, right? I mean, I like him. He's just a nice guy anyway. Uh, And he's going to teach me how to shoot guns way better than I already do. Uh, That's a different story for a different day. However, um, that's that collaboration piece that I feel like then makes us that much sharper to serve our clients at a higher level.
3: All right. And Carolyn, you work from home, but you have staff too, right? Actually, I have uh,
0: a draftswoman who is in India, so that uh, you know it's kind of very similar. You know, virtual. So you know, now that we have daylight saving time, uh, she starts at six thirty in the evening, works till three in the morning. I start at nine in the morning, work till five thirty. Actually, I work till about two in the morning. But she's doing all the work while you're sleeping, and shows (laughs) up
1: in your email box, and you look brilliant, right?
0: Well, she's working actually at the same time, and then I continue. Got it on. Yeah. I mean, an employee, you work eight hours. Yeah. A business owner, you work whatever, 16.
1: <laughs> True. You're on all the time, right? Well, it's interesting because I have two VAs in the Philippines. One does video editing and one does graphic design. We send them their information. And Grant, I'm kind of like you, I don't sleep. But when I do sleep, they're probably working on it. So in a in a big sense, we already are in a virtual world, yeah. which is amazing. Mm-hmm. For, for an entrepreneur or somebody that needs to run a business, you need to figure out how to do these things. I call it resourcefulness.
3: Yeah. Did I hear exactly. him say... Video editing? Is yeah. That, we're not even together and he's already cheating on <laughs> you. Yeah, I
4: mean. he's, he's already cheating on you. Man. So I tell It's you, not man.
1: quality video. It's like for reals
3: or I get, something. I and no Stacey, respect. Randy's
4: no a better shooter
3: than I am. So. Oh, it's is a world really? champion, so.
1: Uh-oh. Well, I guess you're going to be teaching me then.
3: We could work something out. <laughs> there yeah. we go. Let's talk about the Atlanta market here. I, I saw statistics. I've been told that 150,000 people a year are moving into this area.
4: Last year, we had about 125,000 move to Atlanta. Uh, We typically were getting 75,000 roughly moving to Atlanta. So we almost doubled. And, you know, I hear realtors saying that the inventories are down. Well, we averaged 100. Well, we did 110,000 interactions last year through the FMLS, which is how I kind of gaze everything. If you look back the last two or three years, it was about 100, 105, 110. So those numbers really didn't get squeezed out. We're selling the same amount of houses. There's just a lot more uh, competition for everything that goes online. For every house that comes online, you probably have three or four buyers, if it makes sense, if it's ready to sell, if there's curb appeal and they haven't overpriced it. And there are a couple of brokerage companies in Atlanta that tried to come in and buy the business, won't mention their names, but now they're kind of going by the wayside. So we have to be very careful on on offers that we're throwing out there because it still has to make sense.
3: How do you have market that active and still have low inventory.
4: There's more competition. There's more competition. We're yeah. going to sell the same amount of houses.
1: Yeah. And there's some interesting st- stats out there as to why inventory is so low. Well, first of all, the one millennials is the largest buying segment, right? Uh, boomers is the second. Well, most of those millennials were, what did, when did they get introduced to real estate <laughs> in 08, They saw what happened. They were coming out of college. They were living in their parents' basements. hmm well, now fast forward they're in in basically family formation stage or ready to have their first child and now they need homes so the challenge was in the last decade we've built the fewest homes in the last i believe 8 decades than we ever have so we actually have the home builders have not kept up with uh the necessary supply mainly because of the fallout from the 08 09 period and this is a really wonky stat that it caught me by surprise was the 0809 when we had oversupply right and the lending standards and everything were as we all know loose right they were giving dead people mortgages mm-hmm. if you back up 30 years before that builders had stayed on that pace and were building 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 why did we have so much supply well roe v wade was 30 years earlier so the amount of actual household formations decreased massively so you take an oversupply of houses a uh, smaller group of family of family formations that's what created that gap in the supply at that time to where everybody was doing the liar loans it was a financial crisis that's what if people can't get their that was a financial crisis people did not have they were given loans to people that didn't have the money they weren't putting anything down subprime that was a financial bubble right brought on by the the oversupply of housing because of that demographic shift now let's fast forward over this last decade what has happened is Builders hadn't caught building, right? They were trying to get rid of all the supply. So the builders haven't started, they they haven't caught up. So that's led to what two things We're in the Sunbelt part of the country, right? So everybody's still moving here since the Olympics, this place has still been growing. So add that on because of our business climate and low taxes and everything else. And the fact that the builders stopped building, we just don't have enough homes. And so competition now is just. Crazy. And a little-known
4: fact, Randy, is the population in the United States has stayed flat relatively over the last 25, 30 years. So it's not that we're getting more people, you know, with people having more children. Um, it's it's regional. You've got to look things through a macro lens and a micro lens. What's going on in California and New York, that's not going on in Atlanta and Birmingham and Raleigh and places like that. They're all coming like here. They're <laughs> coming here for a number of reasons, which is great for us realtors. It makes it tough for those folks – who are, are Atlantans trying to buy a house and move up because a lot of them are getting squeezed out.
1: Especially the first-time homebuyers are oh, just yeah. getting destroyed in
4: this
3: market. Mm-hmm. So we know that businesses are moving in here, creating a lot of jobs. That's drawing people here, yep. these 100,000 100, people a year or whatever it is. Yep. And so since the housing hasn't kept up, there's they, not enough development they're bidding up prices and competing for the house yeah and
4: there's not in land this is you the know,
3: competition you were mentioning
4: it's difficult to find land to build on I mean I've got 13 acres and on due west and the, the numbers have to make sense but there's not enough land for these builders to go out and buy on And when they do the average price home on new construction anywhere 30 40 miles within you know the, the greater Atlanta area you've got to price those homes at six seven eight hundred thousand dollars for it to make sense. No first-time home tire is going to be able to buy that. Yeah.
1: Well, and if you throw that into the increased cost of land because prices have gone up, well, now all the builders and everybody, and you're probably seeing this in people you're consulting on the architecture side as you design stuff, is inflation is crushing mm-hmm. these builders because they're paying high for the land. All the materials are expensive. They can barely put a price on the house. Now, the little bit of upside, prices are continuing to move up, right? But they're facing challenges because the time that they actually start the house or even start developing the land, they ran a performa on how much it's going to cost for bricks and sticks, which, yeah. hell, that could change. I mean, <laughs> now it's changing in two right. weeks, even if they can get the materials. yeah.
3: So, And so you're advising your buyers, as you told me, to step up to the plate, get in while yeah. they can, make the best offers they can, because right. they're competing with other buyers for the houses, right? Yeah. And so and so, I would think that sellers would be excited to sell their house for a premium price and move, but then they're having to pay the inflated price. right? Yeah,
4: but they, you've got to find something that you can move into and you can win the bid on, right? Mm-hmm. So that's where new construction comes in from somebody that's got an existing house. He's going to make good equity when he sells it, getting into something new construction if they can find it. I've got my mortgage guy, Brad Hartman's like that. He's looking to step up. But there's not a lot of inventory out there that really makes sense. There's not a lot of inventory out there at all. And so the train's not going to slide backwards down the tracks. The prices are going up. They're going to continue to go up. The cost of money has gone up. I think we're priced out today at about 4.5, 4.56 for an interest rate. And the Fed has announced that they're going to increase that six times this year. So for people that are sitting on the, on the fence and saying, I'm just going to wait for it to come back down. There's going to be a crash. It's not going to happen. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. I've, I've heard over the last two, even today, I could pull up my Slack right now. And my team said, "Hey, can we do five or six talking points on why the market's not going to crash?" Because uh, uh, you know, there I think there's a little P- PTSD yeah. from 0809 yeah. especially in the millennial. Crew, that it's going kind of, to. It feels like the same thing. I'm like, it feels like it, but it's completely different. Yeah, it is.
3: Well, the growth that's happening in Atlanta, nobody's going to stop moving here in the right. near future. Right, right. right. Yeah. So now, this isn't weather. a real estate function market, this is a jobs market.
4: Now if you were talking about California, New York, New Jersey, some of those some of those places, yeah.
1: They're sliding back. Well of that fifty percent of that hundred and fifty thousand roughly that move here every year, fifty percent of it's from New New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and now California.
3: Including me a little over a year ago. (sighs) Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. So so Carolyn, how is this affecting your business now?
0: Well, um, in the custom, you know, it's hard for a contractor to give a fixed fee bid. I mean, you know. It's got to be cost plus.
1: You got it. <laughs> I mean, a caveat. Yeah.
0: So
3: are you seeing a lot, like if it's difficult for a seller to sell something and find where they want to go next, are you seeing a, a, an increase in remodels and additions then where they where they say, okay, let me stay where I am and add on to the house? Uh
0: uh-huh, Certainly.
1: I would assume you're also seeing probably getting more work that you can shake a stick at, right? Because everybody's... It's, it's certainly available. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right, that's good problems to have, I guess. Mm-hmm.
3: So as an architect, what do you do the most of in the, in that world? I mean, tell us a little bit about the kind of work you're doing.
0: Yeah, it is mostly remodel, um, okay. which, you know, I don't... I, I think when it comes to new, if they want just the same old, same old, sometimes I'm like, well, why don't you just get a stock plan or go see a real estate agent I mean you know if, but if you want something that's really more about you and your personality then that's when you get an architect
3: it's very customized work mm-hmm. and so what is that a lot of the people moving in do you, are you getting a, a lot of people saying I don't just want to buy something else now I'm coming from New York I sold my highly appreciated house now I want something really special that's my own
0: Well, most of the people that move in need something right now. So, you know, unless they're going to rent for a year or two, Mm -hmm. it's really more people who are here and moving up or changing, sometimes downsizing. You know, the old 50s ranches are great for the boomers who are getting older and just remodel it, and it's perfect.
1: Are you seeing on the – I've seen a lot of California buyers come in and they want that California mod. Are you seeing a lot of that?
0: Not not yet, but – certainly like the look
1: All right, it's coming they, they're coming we get a lot of requests lately that are you know because the modern farmhouse has been big right yeah
3: oh yeah now they're
1: wanting that california mod is what i'm seeing a lot of
4: that's on the coast yeah
1: cubes with windows yeah, yeah. yeah. yep you got it <laughs> some I of those are, some of those
3: are really nice and yeah. some yeah. of them look like frank lloyd Wright nightmares
1: yeah true they're doing three uh in east cobb over kind of where, where robert and i are at um A builder just moved in there and he's building three custom, like two, three million dollar, really modern California type houses. And they all are already under contract. Pre build. Yeah.
3: Well, you guys bridged into the trends topic really nicely there, almost (laughs) like you knew what we were (laughs) going to be talking about. I saw
4: your notes.
3: (laughs) So, what are the trends? What what are the hot versions uh, besides modern farmhouse? which everybody knows that's modern farmhouse
4: is really in still white with black trim. You know, that's yeah. become a trend now. We just did it in our house.
3: That's still the hot. Oh yeah. The hot it is look.
4: now. Okay.
1: Yeah. yeah. I'm seeing a lot. I mean, I am definitely seeing a trend moving towards what I'd call more modern, like a m- little more of a mid century, but the, all a lot of the California clients that are coming in really want a modern look, um, more glass. Um, you know, it, we're kind of in, where we're at, it's more traditional, right? We yeah. call, and and call 5-4 in a door. It's a box. You walk yeah. in and, you know, living room, right, kitchen in the back, so on and so forth. Um, they're wanting more open space, a lot more light. They want these modern homes. I mean, you think about it, they're probably tripling down on their money moving to Atlanta because we've always been, I mean, nationally, average sales price like Phoenix is pretty low yeah. in comparison. And yeah. so- they're bringing all this money in and they want the, want the, what what they want and they can, you know, have, get, hire an architect and design these fancy modern houses. So I'm seeing a huge trend, um, Sandy Springs, Buckhead, up into the lower part of East Cobb that are wanting these, what I'm calling like the California modern vibe.
4: And another thing about it, more people are spending time in their own houses and working out of their houses. 100%. So they're changing that space, yeah. you know, for the kids to be able to study at home, you know, because COVID changed everything and uh, people want their workspace and they're, they're, residential space
1: in the same place. That additional bedroom, but now it's additional office or flex space. Cause almost all of them, I mean, help a lot of the big corporate like Coke and they're just now going back. But what has happened? My buddy's like, dude, I don't want to go back. Yeah. So they're going to be, they're going to force employers at some point. And so that's opening up that additional flex space or additional room in the house for to work from home.
4: You're seeing carriage houses over garages and stuff like that. You know, they're, they're, they're really, they're hunkering down because they don't have a lot of choices out there. It's competitive.
3: So, Carolyn, and if somebody's remodeling or adding to an existing house, they're probably not following these same trends, right? They're, you're probably trying more to blend it into the existing house. Like when I looked at your website, a couple of things that I noticed were some of the additions you did. You had to kind of look two or three times to see that that wasn't really that – that the photo changed. It wasn't really <laughs> part of the original house.
0: And and they usually do want that, yes. So okay. And so – so, yeah, when we're talking about style, yeah, obviously Joanna Gaines made, you know, of course. Modern, you know, just...
1: <laughs> HGTV, you know, you know, change the world. and Everybody yeah. wants to be them. Yeah. Everyone. Cheap yeah, joy. And, uh,
0: and uh, you know, and, and like you say, the mid-century modern and so forth. Um, but, um, you know, for the most part, people are wanting it to blend into what was already existing, maybe upgrade a little, change a little, you know.
3: Are there other trends that affect you, like, uh, I don't know, automation or intelligent house or energy efficiency topics that are hot?
0: I mean, I incorporate all that, but it doesn't necessarily drive the design. Okay,
3: the
1: one the one that I've seen a little, I'd be curious from your perspective is, you know, obviously with the aging boomer population, I'm seeing a lot more multigenerational living, or at least spaces like they want the basement, or in the case some carriage houses for that. Are you seeing that very much?
0: Yeah, and and that so any any life change, like if you're expecting a new child or your mother's got to move in, that's often the time they call an architect, you know, saying. We need to fit, fit, either add, I mean, it's like when mom wants to move in, maybe someone feels like the guest room's not a big enough boundary. <laughs> <Space>.
1: Or mom <laughs> yeah. doesn't think it's big enough. Yeah, so. it's,
0: it's, it's, it's like we need a little, a little better boundary here, you know, so exactly. you make a new special space. Yeah. It could be in the back, the bottom, the top, anywhere.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I've seen
3: a lot of that. In the garage. <laughs> are there other trends besides style that you guys are seeing?
4: You know, ranch houses for the older generations, I mean, they don't want stairs. I don't want stairs, and I'm, no. I'm not really there yet, but I'm getting there quickly. Um, yeah, the traditional four upstairs is kind of going by the wayside because the aging populations. So more people want ranches. Um, I think with the millennial crowd, they are, they're they're kind of like looking at things as a throwaway, you know, kind of like cell phones. i got to get, get a new one every year, and they're not really interested in tying themselves down. So multi uh multifamily living space is big for the young crew. People coming in from the Northeast are used to living in big cities. So you're getting a lot of that multifamily stuff being built. And when interest rates and the economy goes a little sour, you see more rental opportunities. You'll see like the Cousins Properties, some of those folks coming in and, and taking some office space that people aren't using anymore. And they're going to make it into multifamily units. You're going to see a lot of that. You're going to see a lot of that with um, malls. Are going to be turned into entertainment districts, um, so there's going to be a big shift in these commercial real estate guys. They're not dumb. These guys have got a lot of money, got a lot of intelligence, been doing things for a while. They're going to they're going to shift into some other product.
1: Yeah.
3: Three other. times today, we've talked about staffing, we've talked about work, and we've talked about the EXP model, and now we're talking about shifting the, this office space to residential and other uses. Yep. Uh, apparently this shift in bandwidth and technology, internet marketing, work from home revolution that's going on is having a broad effect. Massive, Mm -hmm. massive change. Do you feel like we're looking at a paradigm shift here?
4: Uh, Yeah, it's going to be a paradigm shift. There already is. I mean, people are staying home, working out of their houses. And, you know, designing properties like that is going to be a big part of your future. It's a big part of the trend for Stacey and I. Mm -hmm. And we better get our head wrapped around it and understand it. And not let it just surprise us and go. Oh, shall that will just happen? You know. Yeah,
1: I think COVID shrunk the uh, innovation uh, cycle shorter. It just made it a shorter. We were going to get there. COVID just put it on the fast track. And in the, in that same breath, two other things that are happening. I don't know if y'all remember here in Atlanta. How long you been here, Randy? A little over a year. Okay. So pre-COVID, everybody wanted to move downtown. They wanted the lifestyle, and they wanted the condo, and they want to walk to the restaurants. And when COVID happened, they're like, damn, we're all too close to each other. So I'm seeing the big shift now to where everybody wanted to be in Morningside and all the places in town. Everybody's moving out and they yep. want bigger properties and more land for multiple reasons. Um, but then also it's the flight to second property, lake properties, right? Mountain property. Since they can work from anywhere they want, the 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 paradigm shift is we're in the middle of it, in my opinion, because now they can work. That's why you can't find a damn lake house. And if you can, it's... So expensive, yeah. um, because people—if you have a choice to work—I mean, yeah, I'd rather work from my lake house, look at my lake view, and as soon as I'm done, I can pop out and go on the boat. I think you should buy one, Stacey.
3: So you're saying that that, that I have
1: <laughs> friends with boats. That's my law.
3: <laughs> so, so you're saying it's not like it's going to change. It is changing. It is changing, and we're just we're just wondering what the final version is going to look like at this point.
4: Yeah, there's going to be a lot of agents that are behind the curb. There's going to be a lot of folks behind the curb. Um, We're going to see a lessening of the real estate world and the mortgage world. Um, The average agent around the average national agent sells two houses per year. That's not enough, you know, and so you're going to see the guys that have been in the business that have wrapped their heads around this change, this morphing into this different thing. They're going to be able to hang on longer than some of these new agents that are coming in. So My suggestion for the young guys, young gals, is to get educated on this as much as possible. Listen to blogs. Listen to all the spots like this. Get as much information as you possibly can because we're shifting and we're shifting fast.
3: So some of what I've observed myself in my comings and goings in this sea change, some Navy talk for you. (laughs) There you go. Um, People working from home, yes. The counter argument is that you need – certain things that the office can provide. It's not the same things that it used to be. It's not a fax machine and a copier and, you know, a secretary to answer the phone and all that stuff cuz that you don't even need that stuff. You can you can scan from your cell phone. Yeah, now. That's so you know.
4: 80s, Randy. Yeah,
3: exactly. So, it, but but it might be collaboration and FaceTime and, yeah. you know, coordinated input right from from people working together. And so I'm seeing that companies are Transforming their workspace to collaborative environment and they're making them look more like homes. The office design is is very rapidly shifting to more like a long kitchen counter, almost a breakfast bar, some tables sitting around like a big dining room, and some home type feeling spaces to work in. Can you guys comment on that trend
4: go ahead Stace
1: yeah um I mean first of all from you know in, in talks of working from home, I mean, there's the first thing we need to talk is productivity. I mean, in Atlanta traffic in the morning, I know people that live in coming and work downtown. I mean, they're, first of all, from an employer perspective, I would rather have them an hour and a half instead of commute working. And in the evening, it's probably three hours of productivity time alone. However, um, as we look at, you know, and Robert hasn't been plugged in this totally yet, you know, as we're looking at to build a collaboration space here in Atlanta for the agents that join us You know, at EXP is our version is something of a house. It's not a commercial office space. Um, We want it to be a home because that's actually what we do. But we want to have, you know, with social media and technology, we want to have that custom kitchen. These agents can come get their photos in and have that collaboration space and have that feel for home. It's kind of what we do. So it's something different. I think for us, it's more it's different. It's collaboration and it is what we do. I will say in the commercial space, I would agree with you. Now, it kind of came from the West Coast, right, with Google and all them having those open workspaces. Uh, and you've been in my office, so you see I've built it kind of like a coffee house where I just wanted it to be a collaboration space where agents can come in or whoever, partners come in, collaborate, do video, do whatever they want in that space. Because um, I didn't want the boring old office. I wanted to be able to go to a space that I like. You know, if I get in trouble with the wife, I can go in and I've got the dartboard and I've got the video games and I've got the refrigerator and bathroom just missing the shower, but we yeah. can work on that. It's a Couch wine cellar. Down, right. It's got a full bar and whiskey it. bar Cap- cappuccino machine play poker in there. In any event, I wanted a fun space anyway. So I do think people are want something different. Yeah.
3: Stone. I think I want to go to work for him.
2: Yeah, me too. <laughs> I don't want to go to work, period. But if I do yeah. go to work, I want to go to it with him.
3: Yeah. I've left the uh, the old school. When
1: date myself here, remember in pizza you'd always have the sit down Miss Pac Man game, and it's got all the old school games on it. Oh, that's living. very 80s. That was going to go into my into the office, but it stayed at the house. Yeah. I play one game. Waka every waka night, waka so. waka waka. I've got like two hundred thousand on Miss Pac-Man now. <laughs>
4: So. Oh, my wife loves Pac-Man.
1: Yeah, that's awesome, Miss Pac-Man. Yeah. So I, I do. I think I think people are enjoying it. And, and honestly, I think a lot still want to work from home. Yeah.
3: One of the last things I worked on in New York was a an, uh, multi-use building that was apartments above. I think there was 49 units or something like that, and and then on the ground floor there was some commercial space and a school space. And of course, the school, being you know schools being what they are, that was handled by a different interior architect a different MEP firm everything was it was its own thing the rest of the building was built to passive house standards which is the first it was the first one in america to do that passive house being um a residential concept from europe right for energy efficiency using air interchange and sometimes geothermal and uh, a lot of uh, a lot of solar heating and all these specific technologies and specific design considerations and now that's going. Um, now that's being adapted for commercial buildings.
4: Yeah, they're called so, PUDs, Plan Unit Developments. They've been in Atlanta. Yep. Uh, Peachtree Corners was one of the very first PUDs here in Atlanta, so that's that's been here for a while.
3: Okay. So these things are expensive. Yep. You know, anybody that's worked in the business will tell you that. How how are people in the middle of this sea change? We're changing our design criteria. We're changing the functions of our house. We're changing the MEP. We're changing the mechanics of it. How do you afford this? How do you, how does somebody how does somebody get what they want and be able to buy it now?
4: Well, that's a good question. I mean, it just depends on what is the price, what are the price points. I mean, the average person, the average person in America makes $85,000 a year. So, you know, they're going to get they're going to get topped out around 400,000 at a 4.5% interest rate. So it's going to leave a lot of people out of that.
3: So the average price on Long Island is over half a million. Oh dollars. yeah, the well, average price higher. here in Atlanta is just reached four hundred. Just reached. What does that say for that average income earner?
4: It's it's going to be a tough it's going to be a tough road to hoe for these guys, um, because they're not going to be able to qualify for some of these higher $550, 650s when interest rates go to five five point five six. I had a gal on a conference call said it might go to seven, which that would be a. They're not a disaster. The first mortgage I took out in 1997 was seven. So people just need to kind of calm down and just realign themselves. But in 1997, when I had a 7% interest rate, the product was $130,000. It's going to be $550,000. So yep. things are changing.
1: Yeah, and I'll be curious to hear what you're seeing on that that end of the design also. Um, a lot of what you're talking you're talking about the passive design. So when I think of that, I think of like building a house green or solar or anything like that on the residential, that's the first thing that usually seems to get V value engineered out of the deal. Right. So, Um, so unless you have the money to do it where I am seeing it at a higher level is since the commercial usually can afford it, I'm seeing it in a lot of commercial spaces. For instance, like, you know, Facebook's building another million square foot space out in social circle. Well, they've got their typical backup, but then they also have solar backup. So I think the ones that have the money, they're going to spend it, probably are going to spend it in a category where maybe it helps them more financially i'm not really seeing it on the residential especially here in atlanta where you know earthcraft was building green was a big thing and i haven't heard as much of that lately i mean some of the stuff has changed better insulation and what have you but that's always seems to be the first thing that goes they want the aesthetic versus you know any maybe potential savings they have from solar or something
0: yeah that does seem to be the case that, um you know and, and and i'm interested in doing the energy saving stuff yeah. i mean i would when I was in school, that was as much the religion as being green is now. <laughs> totally, you know. And, uh, but, um, you know, I've, yes, there, people do insulate better now, sometimes with foam yeah. and stuff. Yep. But um, spray foam. Know, but that's they,
3: usually it, right? But yeah.
0: you don't see a lot of south-facing glass and that sort of thing. No.
3: Yeah, you had indicated to me the other day when we were talking that um, there's less incentive, less tax breaks, less incentive for the homeowners to do green. T- green design or green building other other than wow well, look at my neat energy efficient house right whereas the commercial guys have tax credits that they can sell off and right 100 they, they can monetize that in a, a lot All of ways right.
0: well certainly like the lead accreditation if you're just doing your own house why would you do it yeah. i don't know
1: just because i wanted to right
0: you'd have to want to you know <laughs> virtue signal or whatever you yeah, have exactly to be now. able to say you know i got a lead platinum or whatever you got you know yeah. and,
1: my, my partner, my construction company lead certified, so, you know, if he, he wants to do his house, he just wants to do it because. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: So. I mean, the average price to do solar on a residential house is between fifteen and $25,000. Back to that $85,000 wage earner, did they have 15000 to $25,000 to do solar if they wanted to? If you got $20,000, redo your kitchen. You know, there's things that you can do that can up the equity and the value of your house. And as much as, you know, people would like to go solar, it's still very expensive. You don't get the tax credits, really, as the residential purchaser of that. You do a little bit, um, but it's still expensive.
1: Well, and from a payback period, too, like, we're a very transient city. Like, when I lived in New York, people there was like, they've been in their homes for 30 years. Yeah. And here, it's four to seven. We're very transient in, in Atlanta, so it's four to seven years. Well, to make your money back on on solar it's something like 12 to yeah, 12 to 15 years, years. Yeah. uh to make your money back on it so it's just not a good investment you know because most people i've traded i don't
0: care. yeah so <laughs> buy and sell a lot of houses yeah. myself so yeah. yeah it also means you're cutting down your trees yeah yep. i mean so how do you, do you want it to feel like you're you know uh, in a sheltered tree yeah. natural space or
3: cut them down right because you saving. need that sunlight now it's the green war. Do you want little, solar power or do you want to save the trees? Right? <laughs> there's a lot yeah, of trees exactly. in Georgia, though. Yeah, there are. Yeah. It's, it's the Sierra Club against the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the, sol- the uh, solar people. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in
4: Nevada, in those open spaces, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah, completely. You know, on a commercial side, when you've got a big concrete you know, area that you're, you're, you're working in, it makes more sense.
3: Uh, we're talking about affordability here. A minute ago, you mentioned Brad. Just yeah. give him a quick plug.
4: Brad Hartman at Cornerstone Mortgage. Yeah. Yeah, he's fantastic. He is um, a very unique lender, and um, he got into the Airbnb space. I sold him a mountain house uh, about two years ago, and we've there's a lot of different financing options now in that Airbnb stuff. But Brad, my guy at Cornerstone, he does a f- tremendous amount of job with whether you're a new, your first time homebuyer, or you're an Airbnb investor. So, yeah, great guy, love him.
3: And then you also mentioned the Fed is trying to raise interest rates six times this year or That's like That's what they that. said, yeah,
4: six to seven times.
3: And if we're already in a position where the houses are climbing out of reach of your average wage earner, then tightening the money is going to drive those prices. Yeah, it's it's going to create hey, can a I problem. Add one,
1: one thing in there real quick, because um, this comes up a lot when people talking about, so the Fed's talking about raising the Fed fund rate, which is not directly tied to mortgage interest rates, right? That's and I right. think a lot of younger agents and maybe even some consumers don't don't know that those they're not directly tied however you can't bump the fed fund, fund rate multiple times without most likely impacting like a mortgage interest rate so mm-hmm. just because the fed bumps it does not necessarily mean that the mortgage interest rates are however That's we are seeing rates obviously climbing right now mainly uh, inflation is obviously driving a lot of things also
3: so it's not necessarily going to bump people out of the market. No, I mean most. But cost, people, but cost of money being cost of money, they probably should. If you're going to get in, you should get in, hundred percent. Yeah,
1: yeah.
4: And, and the rates are climbing. The mortgage interest rates are climbing, and it, it is, you know, it, it they shadow each other. They're not they're they're not on parallel universes completely. But
1: uh, when the Fed bumps
4: the rate, the Fed yeah. rate.
1: Well, and you got it, it, as the rates are rising, if the rates and prices are rising at the same time, it's. It, you're really getting crushed as a home buyer. That's getting priced out of the market quicker and quicker every single month. It's the fastest I've seen people priced out of the market and people are waiting. Well, I'm going to wait for prices to drop. Like most people don't realize other than that one small period in history where we had the bubble and then pulled back prices don't go backwards. They're not. I, last time I checked, they weren't making any more land. Right. Right. And we're still growing. So if you're going to buy that's buy now, and I look at it from a buy up perspective, like if I'm buying up, right, I'm, I'm trading in my house at 500 and I'm buying eight, I'm starting to consult people. I'm like, listen, even you, if you think you have to overpay for a house right now, slightly, right? It's the law of big numbers. Well, if I buy an $800,000 house and prices are increasing, which they say in Metro Atlanta, 10%, I pay 20 grand over for the house theoretically. So I'm twenty. 20 well, at the end of the, in 12 months, it went up 10%. I made 80 grand. So I netted 60 yeah. K. Yeah. So we're having to walk people through the psychological steps of understanding. Well, really, it's a financial lesson in how do all these things come together? And that's where I think to Robert's point earlier, this is the worst market, I think, for real estate agents. And I'm the guy that got in in 09. I think this market's worse. I think what's going to happen is a lot of agents that aren't plugged in, like a guy, you know, that aren't plugged in to understand what's happening and can't articulate this to a client, are going to unfortunately get pushed out of the business. And then that's when you go hire a guy like a Robert who has not only been doing the business, but Robert stays plugged in, understands the trends, so then he can articulate and give his
3: best guidance to his clients to win. Yeah, thanks, Jason. What's, what's the key for those agents then? If it's a tough market, how are they going to excel?
4: There's going to be natural selection, of course, right? And so the agents that seek out the experienced. Um, folks like Stacy and myself, then they're gonna gonna have a better chance of surviving this. Yep. And I, the wave is coming; you see it. So I'm hoping because I love my fellow agents, I want them to succeed. But uh, yeah,
3: and, and the ones that use backshot, right?
4: And be, yeah, <laughs> if you don't use Beckshot, then you're out. Right? I mean, if, yeah, they, you're, you're if history, they talk
3: history, to you're
1: Robert, history. they have to, right? Yeah,
3: so did. yeah, Carolyn, in terms of um, projects that you've done, what are your favorite projects? Favorite areas? of town that you've done this in oh, and gosh. in particular what are good areas that where people might want to do this
0: well the one that is um on the front burner now is a lake house where um you know they've got the house in the 404 area code and then one up in blairsville and during covid they spent more time in blairsville than atlanta yeah and uh, they're saying you know what we need to alter this house to make it our primary because it's you know well designed as a vacation over the weekend, but not so much for primary
4: making it their f- forever home.
0: Exactly. Which is, which is what I like because then they don't have to worry about resale and it's yeah, it's all about what they they're,
1: want. Already got it. And then and you, then they don't come to you and say, Oh, you just drew it too nice. They, <laughs> I need you to take this out. Well, budget could remember come those in. days, but yeah. out, I'd like to hear that they're actually going to spend the money for you. So.
0: And yeah. And they um, want to essentially live, you know, have outdoor living as much as possible. Hey. And so I'm hearing, hearing that more and seeing it more in magazines and stuff. So, um, you know, now that you can just kind of work from a laptop anywhere, yep. I mean, you could be in a screen porch, you could be anywhere. 100%. Yeah. Why yeah. not Why not at the lake? Yeah, on the deck yeah. looking down at the lake.
1: Instead of staring at four walls. And
4: then you make the house so nice when somebody wants to sell, they say, well, why do we want to leave this?
3: Exactly. So there's a, a prop. Robert, favorite areas and hot areas that you like?
4: I like Roswell, like East Cobb, but I really like selling up in North Georgia. I do. I mean, it's a drive. It's a hike, but I enjoy being up there and and seeing the looks on these folks' faces. You know, when they're buying these mountain properties and going into Airbnbs and and doing things. Um, yeah, East Cobb.
1: Stace, awesome, Stacy. Yeah. You know, my office is in historic Roswell. So obviously Roswell's got a, is a big home for me and I, I live right on, I'm technically an East cop but I've got a Roswell address. So that's an area it's, but you know, I just know it so well. So in buying and renovating properties, but I will say I'm, I'm an outdoors guy. So I love the lake and I love the, the mountain properties also. So getting a little more, I've been heavy in investing in either flipping houses or holding rentals in the metro area. I'm actually enjoying getting out and wanting to get some stuff, you know, Airbnbs in the mountains. Lake, um, and I'm now licensed in Florida, so along 30A. I know an
4: agent.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> exactly. know, I know an agent that works uh, big in Airbnb too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got well, that covered.
1: Other agents I know are helping other agents up in in the, in the uh, mountains. So. I know. Don't cheat on me now, Stacy.
3: <laughs> now, now we've talked a lot about what people are looking for the good the good aspects. What should they avoid? Are there areas to avoid? Techniques to avoid? in the remodel is there certain kind of windows or doors to avoid you know where, where are my pitfalls out there
0: gosh that's a good question
3: <laughs> i'll I'll um, jump in there yeah.
1: um on the the building side we're renovating uh we're doing our first luxury remodel windows depending which windows you're picking 18 to 22 weeks delivery yeah it's killing things so we can we can buy what they call shop built manufactured windows locally. But if we wanted a vinyl or certain look, cause you know, we're going more modern, right? Those profiles, especially casement stuff, man, they're like 18 to 22 weeks out glass, everything. So that's the one challenge I'm seeing on building materials. I think some others paint like last year, you couldn't even get paint. Like I went in, I just wanted white paint. Sorry. We don't have, we don't have super paint. We don't have, it was just cause that was, you know, from the, I guess the factory in Texas. So, materials windows I'm probably seeing. I don't know what else you uh, are seeing, but the windows are crazy.
3: Mm-hmm. Plywood's more than double. Yeah. That? Lumber. Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: And some builders actually won't even do They've gotten homes sold, but they custom builders. I'd be curious if you've seen this is they won't do the start because they're hoping lumber prices will settle. Um, because they just don't know what the number is at the end of the day, and if they can't make any money on it, then why go ahead and build, right? And
4: a lot of these builders, they'll, they'll come out with a product, and it'll be a spec home or whatever, build a suit. And they'll have a fixed price in 2020, and the homes are going to be built now in 2022, 2023. And when they start looking at their inventory costs, they're actually losing money when they get to the close table. And so a lot of these builders, a lot of these developers are saying, okay – Here's what the estimated cost is, but you, buyer, have to be willing to pay these extra costs, and we will show those to you. Um, And scarcity of product like granite countertops or windows, you know, we may not be able to get you what was in the design center. And so these are things that you, another another agent thing that we have to, to talk to our clients about, hey, guys, what if they don't have that granite countertop when we're ready to put that in? What if the cost of two by fours or two by eights has increased 50% like it has over the last 12 months? So those are things when you're looking at a builder contract, you better be dotting those I's and crossing those T's.
1: And to your point earlier from a custom home build se, since it seems like the world that you operate in, typically we as a builder, we'd give like a guaranteed maximum price or, or a fixed fee, you know they're having to do cost plus yeah. because you don't know what materials are doing. Usually we always had an escalator in there for lumber. Cause that's the one that's always been volatile. But now since it's everything, like I don't know that I'd sign a contract with any client now, like, and I'm putting my builder hat on because I don't know what that price is going to be. And I'm not going to build a house not to make money. Yeah. Right. So that's a tough, that's a tough road.
3: So you're saying that they're going to build spec now. Is that, is that, no, build, is that they the won't build at all. That? Won't build at all.
1: They're afraid like, to build. Yeah. Cause what, I, you know, they are, Prices are continue to go up, but they, they're only going to go up to so high, right? This can only, this trend can conti- only continue so high as the amount of wages increase. At some point, there's a breaking point where prices can't continue to go or what's going to happen. Then you're going to have people start moving together, living together. Now you're going to decrease household formations that and then that one may open up a little bit of supply, but that's going to happen down the road. So I see that down because look at rents too. Rents are sky high absurd so at some point unless wages increase along with it which we're they're not you know keeping up at the same pace household formations will have to decrease at some point because people can't continue to pay those prices either on rent or purchase yeah it's a dilemma so
0: and and in the custom remodel space from the homeowner side a lot of times they have to move out and rent something while they're building well then you have the problems with Timing with you know you get a delay, which exactly. a, a lot of the municipalities their inspectors were working from home and even even slower than usual yeah. and
1: or the windows didn 't show up, and now the schedule's six weeks out, yeah. and those people are stuck in a Airbnb they only thought they' were going to be there two months
4: yeah, you 're the extended stay hotels you 're seeing a lot of that pop up so that 's a difference maker for for folks in that space
1: for sure, which is a good point maybe we could just go buy a house in like one in each part of the area. And then you just let all these people that don't have a host and charge them three X rent.
4: Yeah. I've got one in Richmond, Richmond Hills and Savannah right now that that, that's what he's going to do. That that
1: scenario happens a lot more than people think. And I I know we see it all the time in private Facebook traffic that are like, Hey, I got a client that's got a temp occupancy before they, or the seller has a temp occupancy. So they got 30 days. They need a place. Well, if you had a place, you probably can charge two X, three X just because they have to have a place for their family. Yeah. And then you can just you know keep turning out provided the house is not yeah. in a covenant subdivision. But I see that a lot because they call it corporate housing. Who's got corporate housing? Yeah. I don't know what that exi- it really exists in.
4: Randy, we'll talk off the air about that.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Landlord to the move-ins. I like do, a- do I
1: get a commission off
3: it? No, yeah, I kidding. think so. <laughs> I oh, you're, you're in my Robert, upline. Robert yeah, there you go. Uh, so we mentioned lifestyle a few uh, times here too. Uh, working from the deck on the lake and in the outdoor lifestyle. Let's talk a little bit about that because Atlanta seems to be well, I know mountain biking is huge and all the, the river and the, the rafting and the fishing and the lakes and all that. We, we seem to be very well positioned as a, the capital of lifestyle yeah. as well. Yeah.
4: It Starts with weather, right? Weather's really nice. Taxes are low. Um, there's a lot of corporate jobs here, so the economy's good. There's good restaurants. You know, 30 years ago, Atlanta was not known for its restaurants now you could go to Alpharetta, you could go to Woodstock, you could go to Roswell and Sandy Springs and whatnot. And there's a lot of good restaurants. And so you know, there's there's a lot of play and work. Opportunity here in Atlanta.
1: Um strategically we're located, you know, we are the I think still the number one airport in the world. I think China, one of the Chinese airports took over during COVID, but Atlanta we're essential for the business hub, right? Yeah. Very pro business. But you also look at it, what are we, four hours from an ocean, and you, know, you get to Savannah or down to thirty A, you're a to, to the mountains. mountains. So you got we have a two, three large lakes. So you pretty much get anything you want here, you know, and you're in some belt. So for all of that, that's why I think people are going to continue. So it's a good space to be in real estate. This is the great show for (laughs) Georgia, for sure.
3: I've also noticed, uh, Carolyn, you can comment on this. Outside of San Diego in the 80s, I have never seen more design per per mile than here.
0: Um, There is some, but I also see a lot of, uh, you know, stamped out subdivisions. So, uh, you know. It goes both ways.
3: You know, I, I, I've been places where I see cube after cube after cube. And here it seems like people are really trying to make things. And maybe this is more commercial, but it does seem like they're trying to make things really have a character and design quality to them.
1: Yeah, I would say so. Most people don't realize Georgia is the largest state east of Mississippi. And for that reason, we're not bound by lakes and oceans and everything. Well, I guess lake, but not oceans like a New York City or San Diego or somebody would, right? So we've been sprawl. We just, the home mass home builders go out and they build all these things. However, people want access to that lifestyle. I want to get down to a game or restaurants or whatever. So on the infill lots, right, that's where I feel like they're coming in and then they can pay the money to design whatever they want. Cause you're seeing really modern next to uh, very traditional To So mm-hmm. I think with, we're such a diverse city, like nobody's from Atlanta And now I think we're finally becoming a very international city. We are the Hollywood of the East coast. You get all these tastes coming here. Like every, I don't know. We'll have to ask who's from Georgia. Um, I think you're getting a lot of mixture of taste. So,
3: um, I, I, drive a lot of neighborhoods and see these very modern houses next to the old, an old craftsman or an old bungalow or whatever. Um, so clearly they're going into these older neighborhoods and knocking a house down and putting up something new. Is that just affordability? Is it you know, in a transitional neighborhood? Is that what's driving that? Uh,
0: yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if I'd even say necessarily transitional. Uh, my, my neighborhood, La Vista Park, it has all these, you know, stucco boxes with, you know, the ultra-modern stuff and, you know, selling some of them. I think one recently sold for about $3 million. I mean, you know, they're just... Wow. Like, yeah. it's crazy. But, I mean, and then you'll have one if you houses away you're selling for four or five hundred so
4: and and one of the things you're seeing randy um it's opportunity you take some builders or some guys with money and they'll go into these older neighborhoods with no hoa i did this back in 2004 2005 i was buying out an entire neighborhood with some partners and there was 30 houses no hoa and we got fifteen of them before we got stomped on by two thousand and eight. So these guys go into these older neighborhoods, and it it's an opportunity. They can buy something for say three seventy five, four hundred thousand. They can strip it down, have it professionally redone, and they can sell it for seven, or live in it for seven. You know, like Indian Hills is a big example
1: of that. <laughs> Perfect example. Yeah. Well, and the other thing too on that is prices have to be increasing in the locations they're doing that right because they're having to pay a price to knock a house down to build on it so typically the two things that plan its location they want access to lifestyle hey like brookhaven brookhaven and ashford park area pre right after the crash like you could get a three hundred thousand dollar brick ranch then the five hundred thousand dollar brick ranch was the knockdown price to build your 1.5 and they were. It was access. It was location, right? For lifestyle, and the second one, typically the drivers the schools. Like Robert mentioned, Indian Hills, and it's funny because I, I remember a picture in the paper where it had this little wheelhouse in Indian Hills, and then somebody came and built this massive, yeah. like it just dwarfed it. But. It's in one of the few subdivisions in East Cobb that is, um, has a golf course and all the amenities. the golf in, community in, in yeah. Cobb County. And it's in arguably one of the best school districts. It is in the Walton. best school district in the, yeah. in the uh, state of Georgia. Three of the top high schools uh, in the state of Georgia all are in that East Cobb region. So typically. the Walton, Pope, Lassiter. Yep. So that's usually the location and the, and the schools usually drive mm. that trend of knocking down that infill type product.
3: Being an analyst at heart, I'm sitting here listening to all this and um, it sounds like if I had to sum all this up that you're saying, despite all the chaos going on and all the confusion and all the difficulties, that there's really no short-term end here to the prices going up and the people coming in. It's a demand-driven market and the longer you wait, the harder it's going to get to find what you want, essentially. Is Is that a fair statement? That's
0: very fair. That's what's happening. I think even even beyond the interest rates as they keep printing more money and, and, and as, as you know, Putin starts selling oil in the ruble, I mean. yeah. Well, know, everybody knows what
3: the, printing money does, yeah. except apparently the people that print money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> inflation. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I, I'm like, put your money
0: in something <laughs> like real estate that's not right. going to lose the value. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: yeah. I'll say this too is in any market there's opportunity. Who's willing to play in the game hard enough? This is where, like to me, that separates the average agents from the ones that you would want to hire and do a transaction with, right? I'm always looking at the opportunity market. There's massive opportunities market. And if I was advising younger, I, I always speak to the agent community because that's obviously one I'm in and have a lot of heart for. Um, if you aren't buying real estate, doesn't that seem a little funky? You're advising people to buy and you don't. But here's the big thing. In an inflationary environment, you need to own assets. I bought a house in Lawrenceville that and I, I, get, were, I had to buy it with tenants and three months later, things were 30 grand more than when I bought it. So in an inflationary environment, there's still an opportunity and I believe it's in real estate. I'm not a stock guy. I still think, and this is not stock advice, but you know, I still think the stock market's got ways to go downward. I'm a real estate person. There's so much opportunity in the real estate space. If you get in, do your homework, play the game, get an agent that actually understands it, get a rental. That thing is just going to grow in value. Um,
3: So to me, you got to own assets. Well, I'm a I'm a fundamentals guy, and I don't see. I was trained in this, but I don't see the justification for some of the fundamentals in the stock market lately. PE's out of whack, and there's just so much craziness going on there that it does not seem yeah. to me to be sustainable. Whereas on the other hand, the fundamentals of the real estate market support yeah. what we've been talking about in here, yeah. very clearly. Yeah. I just like
1: the three basic you know human needs: yeah. food, yeah. water, and shelter. Sure, I'm yeah. kind of good with shelter. Stock good market, with shelter. Whew. Other than my EXP stock, I don't need any other stocks. But to your point, P.O. ratios, don't, they, they haven't made sense for a long time. No. I think finally it's being exposed because the feds happen to pre- stop printing money, right, or slow down the printing of money, which is going to spike rates and everything else. And then that's where, they, to me, that's where the stock market gets exposed. I think a lot of companies have a long way to go in the wrong direction.
3: Okay, shift hats. Put it, get out your crystal balls. Carolyn. What's the future look like?
0: Well, certainly, uh, you know the moving uh, online is going to change the architecture. I mean, you know, people ask for the Zoom room. You know, you got to have a good background, a nice little room. That you know, whether or not that's the room you work in, but you know, even a little office that uh, maybe you have, maybe you have two home offices where you can alternately open and close the doors to where one person's watching the kids, take turns, kind of thing. <laughs> no. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, it seems that um, a little more towards outdoor living. Uh, you know, people seem to be wanting the yards and stuff, you know, and I don't know how how long that's going to last after the COVID fear dies, but I think that's going to last. Um, uh, gosh, what else? Um, I mean, I, I think some of your, the lifestyle changes you mentioned are probably going to happen.
3: Um, I, I don't know. Stacy. Builders clearing
1: out? Uh, Clearing out in terms of out of business or- Yeah, yeah.
3: and reducing inventory even further? What Um, do you you think? I don't
1: think so. Um, They're going to continue to build. The one challenge I will say is a lot of the big builders, um, and this is an interesting trend, there's a lot of hedge funds buying up, gobbling up residential real estate. So the builders that we were hoping building inventory for single family houses, they're building single family houses, but then they're selling to the hedge funds to rent out. Uh, I've got multiple examples here in Atlanta. one in Gwinnett County. It's like a 400 unit subdivision. They're going to buy it or they're building it to then just turn over to the hedge fund to rent them out. So it's not helping the inventory. So I don't think any builders are going anywhere anytime soon. To me, it's just when the cost of land gets too expensive um, and if it's all going to depend on inflation. So I don't think there's anything in the market right now for builders to be worried about because we need them. They need to build more houses and faster.
4: Yeah. And it's and anybody who says that they know where we're headed. They're probably not telling you the truth because of all of our experience, it's hard to really pinpoint where we're going to head because we're not in control of inflation and printing money and tax codes and all that stuff. Um, The one thing that I see is a transient lifestyle. People are going to be moving to where they want to live. And there's a lot of equity being built and there's a lot of wealth being created by the real estate market right now. And you're going to see people in their 50s, 55, 60s, 65s, they're going to be cashing out. And they're going to go live on their sailboat or they're going to go live in a condo down at the beach. And they're going to be sitting on a pile of money because they were investing in real estate. And that's, that's a good thing for us.
3: Cool. cool. It's our clients listening out there. Take a minute, each of you, tell me, What you would like to say to your client out there? Ready? Let's do it, Robert.
4: Be careful who you you trust in today's environment, real estate environment. Um, Seek out professionals who have teams of people around them that you can look and see that their um, history is correct and they've done some really good things, and you know they've they can prove it to you. Um, I just want to say. If you're not buying real estate and you're waiting, you've got to get on the speeding train. It's going 150 miles per hour. Like Stacy said, he'd rather have something appreciating at an $800,000 house at 10% opposed to that $350,000 house that we bought when we first got married. So there's that. So don't wait because there's not going to be a slide back. That's what I would tell my folks.
3: Carolyn.
0: Well, I would certainly agree. Don't wait. I would say, um, you know, if some, uh, you know, with with me personally, my focus is on whatever, you know, appealing to your needs. So let's say you're afraid World War three is about to start and you want a concrete underground house. That's what I'll do for yeah. you, you know. I mean, or or if you I'm want bunker. something that's like a tree house, that's what we'll go with. You know, it's like we're trying to go with what really supports you, you know. And if, if you need the security of the underground concrete house, we'll, we'll do that. Yeah, I love it.
1: Yeah. And, and since I'm kind of in all those spaces, I'm going to, in this uh, particular avatar, I'm going to talk to my client who is, is fellow real estate agents. And what I would tell them is um, who you're in business with matters. And you really need to get around people um, that are going to help you grow. Um, I know I a whole train of thought there, that I was going to go. Um, in any event, the um, we're helping agents not mm-hmm. sell more houses. We're teaching them how to run businesses. And I think people that actually run businesses have a lot more staying power and take your own advice. If you're at, if you're out there telling people to invest in real estate, you as an agent also should be investing in real estate yep. and use beckshot.com. Oh,
3: of course. <laughs> now, actually, and, and on that topic, I did, I did do some, some real nice video for exp recently for you guys yeah. and uh, more to come. Um, so take again, take a second and, and tell us what you'd like us to know about exp.
1: Um, so EXP is the first real estate model in my opinion that has typically in a real estate model there, the owners of a franchise get paid, then the regional owners get paid and then the national international gets paid. This is the first model. They flipped it and actually made the agents, the owners of the company. So for me, actually, cause I, again, this is getting back to owning that asset, right? If you, you, a company actually allows you to own a piece of it. I think typically kind of what you said, we're working 16 hours because why we own the company. Mm-hmm. So if you want a company where you actually have true ownership in it, to me, that company sky's the limit because people act differently when you actually own a piece
3: of the pie. Good stuff. All right. I'm going to flip it back to stone here. Thank you guys for coming in. You made my head hurt with all this information, <laughs> but it was good. It was an excellent discussion from true subject matter experts, wouldn't you say?
2: Well, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and, uh, of course, we were starting at rock bottom, but my knowledge base has certainly expanded from here. Before we wrap, though, I would like to make sure that we go around the horn, and let's get some points of contact for for everyone. If someone out there listening would like to have a conversation with you or someone on your team, whatever you feel like is appropriate, whether it's a website, LinkedIn, email, and uh, we'll start with you, Ms. Caroline, and go around the horn. Okay. um,
0: So it's Caroline Labor and Design. Uh, You can get that at uh, cluniquehomedesign.com or caroline at cluniquehomedesign for my email. The phone is 404-963-8688.
4: All right. Mr. Mason. Well, I'm Robert Mason. My company is RM Property Group, and I'm brokered by EXP with Stacey Wyatt. (laughs) <laughs> and my website is com, and uh, you can find me. My name's on the back of my car. I get accosted in parking lots frequently, <laughs> and so I'm all over that area. So if you need anything, just look me up, Robert Mason. I'm there.
2: And our headliner, Stacy. <laughs> so
1: uh, Stacy White, real estate broker, also brokered by EXP. The um, easiest way usually is Instagram these days. It's at Stacy Wyatt Real Estate. DM me or just Google Stacy Wyatt, and it's hard
3: not to find me. Yeah, you'll find him.
2: And our sponsor and host for today, uh, Randy, where can folks get uh, in, in touch in touch with you, man?
3: I'm like Robert. If you look for the van or the truck running yeah. around town that says Beckshot <laughs> yeah. on it and you grab me by the elbow, I'm there. Yeah. Half camera will travel. Yeah. I passed and, you uh,
1: thousand hills uh, two days ago, I think. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I saw you. <laughs> um, and my website is Beckshot.com. And all contact information is on there as well as a, a lot of samples of the photographic work and several hours' worth of video to binge watch.
2: All right. Well, thank you all for coming. This has been marvelous. It's been informative, inspiring. I'm looking forward to doing more of these episodes with you, Randy. I think we're going to have a good time and help some folks. So until then, this is Stone Peyton, your producer, our host today, Randy Beck with Beckshot, our guest, and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying, we'll see you next time on Design Radio.